Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Nine Lives Podcast. Our guest is left-handed with the second most appearances in Rivercats history, left-hander Ron Flores. All right, welcome to the Nine Lives Podcast. Our guest is Flo, left-hander Ron Flores, and it's great to see you. And we'll get into what you're doing right now. But first, uh, it is... Uh, it is a pleasure, my friend. Uh, it's been a long time, and it's it's. Uh, we I know we keep in touch, but it's uh, it's really good to see you. I'm glad things are uh, things are rolling for you. Thanks, man. It's good to see you in your in, in your element too, in the booth there, right? That's, yeah, yeah. Like what is that? Like like at least twenty five percent of your life has been spent in that booth, right? <laughs> no calling question. calling baseball games and and having the best seat in the house. So to see you in your element is a uh, it's a treat. Thanks, my man. Well, 2003 was the first year you were called up to the River Cats, uh, and yeah. uh, that was a that was, that was a great, great ball club there. You know, you came up uh, wide-eyed and here first time in AAA, and and this team <laughs> went on to win win the whole thing, win the PCL yeah. championship. And uh, what do you remember about about that about that ball club? Well, you know, I remember. <laughs> what's funny is that I, I came up from AA. Um, and I think Tony D threw me in there in like my first or second day there. Yes, that's um, right. And my first outing in AAA was a nightmare outing, bro. A nightmare outing. I think it was ended up, I think it was two thirds and seven earned runs. That's right. To start right. it off. I remember doing the math uh, in, on my little pocket cell phone uh, calculator, you know, after the game, because I was really quick on getting my ERA. I was big on numbers and I always wanted to have, I took pride in having a good ERA and yeah. good strikeout numbers and all that. So I pulled out my phone and I did the math really quickly after that first outing. And it was a 94.50 ERA. My first outing in AAA, I had almost a hundred ERA. And I was like, dude, what? I was having a good year in AA too, a, a two and a half ERA. And it was like, it was like one of my best years statistically. So it was like, is this, did I, did I peak, <laughs> you know, is double A like the best I could be? And now I'm completely exposed. Uh, but I ended up doing okay the rest of the way. And that team was, gosh, you had some hitters. You had Graham Koontz on there that yes. he hit like 30 plus homers. You had Louis Lopez on there. Yes. Handful of other guys that were like. Right. McCarty, Mel Hughes. Yeah. McMillan. It was, it was loaded. Yeah. That team was loaded. Yeah. Right. And you get there. And I, I mean, I all throughout my minor league career, every team was, I mean, every minor league team is around 500, you know, like yeah. five games up, 10 games up or 10 games below 500, somewhere in there. But to get up there and to see there were like, I got up there and I think there were like 82 and 41 or something like yes. that. Like, yeah, I think the they, heck? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 92 and 52. And then went six and zero in the postseason, almost 100 games. Incredible. <laughs> it was like, you see like those miracle teams, like the, like the, uh, like this, what was that year that Seattle Mariners won like 119 games or yeah. some of the big leagues. And it's like, that's like a fairy tale. It's crazy that that doesn't happen in the minor leagues. It's not possible. You can't you can't stack a team in the minor leagues with you can't like have a spending spree like the big leagues can right. and put together a super team. But apparently yeah. they did. It was it was ridiculous how good that team was and and they just cruised through the playoffs like it was no biggie. It was it was like a little snack that, for them. That was, was awesome. So much fun. And then you like the good thing is I think he put you back in there. I remember that because you got roughed up the first outing and then he put you back in there right away. So that was good. Yeah. Then, as you know, you're like, look, the triple haters aren't this good. I mean, come on. Right. I was dominating double A. You get back in there and then you start to have some success. I like the fact that he put you right back in there. He did. He did. I remember it was uh, Kurt Young was the pitching coach there Yeah. Um, at the time. And he was, he was the perfect guy for me to have during that time, especially after that first rough outing. Um, because he, he, had a, had a couple of pointed things to say that was really helpful to me. One of them was, um, he said, Flo, 
flow. He, he had that kind of fun, deep voice flow. Yeah. You got to know flow. It, you're never as bad as you think you are when you have a bad outing and you're never as good as you think you are when you kill it. Like you're, you know, so, so yeah. shrug this off and get back out. Just keep pitching. That was, that was Kurt's line to me, at least just keep pitching, just keep pitching. And so it was, a. He was a, he was the soft landing place that I needed, you know. Yeah. Um, after after that first one, and then Tony D was like, "We we're gonna need you at some point, so you need to get back out there." And and I had a couple of good ones in a row, and actually finished that rest of that year strong. Um, and I was fired up for the next year. You were awesome, and you were uh, at 2004, 2005. You make your debut, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But you know, it's funny because you you're second all time in Rivercat appearances. Stephen Okert passed it up, but you you spent a lot second of all time. Is that right? Yeah, Stephen Oker passed you up. So I was first for a while. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Another left-hander passed you up. That. That's awesome, man. I yeah. didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, no, it, was, it was it was phenomenal. But you get called, I think it was June 7th, 05. Is that it when you got called? I think that, that was sounds your, right. That was your yeah, early June, early June against the against the Phillies in an interleague play at our place. I'll never forget it because I know I was watching it on TV and I remember Jason Kendall came out and said something to you after the outing. He must have said something. Yeah, this is this tough for you, but you, you yeah. were rolling. He, whatever he said to you, you were laughing so hard at the end of when you got that first out. I know you, you know, you had yeah. that, you were, but you were, uh, what, what did he say? Do you remember? He said, I think he, he came out and, um, and it, it, there was like a wave of response from even him because he was just coming out there to be like, hey, if runner gets on second, here's what we're doing or hey, here's our sit signs or whatever. And then he's like, he turned and was like, he stopped for a second and caught himself. And he was like, wait, this is this is your first outing, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, this yeah. is it. And he's like, all right, well, jeez, it's a big deal. Let's make it a good one, okay? Let's go, let's <laughs> I was it, like, yeah. like, it was so fun to see. He was all business like this is another another inning yeah. he's been there for a dozen years or so at that point and so but it was cool to see him have that realization like wait this is a big deal for you all right let's let's get after it you know and it, it brought a little levity to the, it to did. the moment it, it did but also after the last after the last out when you were coming off the field he said something to you that you were laughing so hard i don't i think he might have said something like yeah Big league's really tough for you, huh? Because you, whatever you said, you were laughing so hard. Oh, I'll never forget that. But that was cool. You had your debut. That was it. Yeah, that that first outing was actually pretty fun. It was a it was it, it was high like drama for me. <clears throat> what was funny was that in to um, before I came in, I was warming up and I had an interaction with Ricardo Rincon. Yeah. What was it was earlier in the day? I got to the field like maybe. I got there early, like at 1230 or one, just to, I wanted to get my jersey on and kind of drink it all in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm putting on my jersey with Voos, you know, in the, uh, in the clubhouse mm -hmm. uh, spot. And Rincon came in early because he was getting work on his shoulder or something. And he saw my jersey as I was walking, as he was walking by, he saw it said Flores. And so he, I think he assumed that I spoke Spanish. Uh -huh. I don't speak a word of it, bro. I, I don't know any, I have no idea. You know, I'm half yeah. Mexican. I took three years of it in high school, three years of it in college. I don't know. Right. I still don't know but other than ordering food. So he, he walks by and he says something. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I, I, I had learned over the course of my minor league life that there was, there was a handful of Spanish sayings that you can say to kind of give the impression that you know Spanish, but you don't, right. you know? Yeah. And one of them was suave, like suave bro suave you, that's universal it means right. like chill out chill out or right, i got right. this or 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 it's all good or whatever yeah. so he walks by and he says something in spanish to me and i just instinctively was like ah suave 
And apparently it was kind of the context was kind of snarky because he was like, oh, okay, what is oh, this okay. guy? A little cocky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he walks by. Later, I'm warming up to get into the game and I grab a Gatorade. I'm about to go into the game and Rincon comes over and he puts an arm around me and he gives me like a 60 second Spanish pep talk that was, he, he was passionate and like demonstrative with his hands. And yeah. he was like, and I could pick up a few things that he was, it was a good thing. He said like, you know, da, 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 concentration or da, da, yeah, yeah, da, yeah. aggressivo. And I knew, and he, he gets to the end and he's like, okay, okay. And he's waiting for me to like respond. And I was like, I couldn't think of anything fake Spanish wise. And I was like, all right, bro, let's go get him. <laughs> and he looked at me like, it was like this, Dude, he was like, it was like this cocktail of anger and confusion yeah. and betrayal. And he was like, betrayal. you don't speak Spanish at all. Like you're a faker, you know? And I, I, I said, okay. And I, I jogged into my major league debut thinking Ricardo Rincon hates me and he wants to kill me after That's the awesome. game, you know? <laughs> and so in a funny way, it like kind of like, it snapped me out of like loosened it up a little bit right dang it and i there's there's jim tomey okay here we here we go you know i was so like thrown off by the rincon thing that is classic that uh and then and then to have the outing go good and you know yeah kendall's like she's big big, it's no big deal huh huh kid no big deal huh that's tough getting high fives from guys and and it was like it was euphoric yeah you bet and so you know, growing up with your brother and your brother's playing pro ball. And so how much did that help you? And how much did you lean on him as far as like when you you're kind of working your way through the minor leagues, you get to the big leagues, how much do you rely on him for, you know, what am I going to, what, what am I going to experience here? A lot, a lot. I mean, we talked, I mean, we talked a lot. And um, especially when we got, you know, towards the higher levels of baseball, it was, we, we, we lean on each other a lot just for, just for to have a sounding board and mm-hmm. someone that, understood the situation that we were in and and how how it wasn't it wasn't easy and and it's it's it, it's a funny place to be when you're in between the triple a and the big leagues and you're going up and down mm-hmm. because when you when you are up there you're just fighting for your life and and hoping not to get sent down but then when you get sent back down you're, you're not allowed to complain when you're in triple a because right. all the guys that are in triple a are like dude i'd right. kill for two days in the big leagues and so yep. you're in this weird place of not really be having a whole lot of people to talk to about mm-hmm. the situation that you're in but he was exactly in that situation you know um and had kind of fought his way through to the other side of it but wasn't there for that long and uh, you know he, he hadn't gotten over the hump that long ago so it was fresh on his mind about how what a weird place that that place is to be yeah constantly battling for your job and you never know and you're hoping to not get tapped on the shoulder by the pitching coach and and seeing guys that you know that you're better than go instead of you and and that tension with every day hoping that this is the day and and, and so um so to have him that understood you know um, there's just something really, really healing and powerful about someone that's done it too, you know, and they really can say, I understand, you know, that's a big deal to have something like that. That's that close to you. I mean, we're both left-handed relievers. And so we, I mean, sometimes we would just get into like cliche conversations where we was like, dude, it's just one of those cliches. We, that's what we, we would literally say that to each other, dude, it's just a cliche. You got to take it one day at a time yeah. and you got to, you know, you got to don't, don't think ahead too much and, and put, you know, don't put, don't think too much of the future. Really live in the moment. We're like, dude, we're just cliching each other to death right now, but it's all true. We would laugh about how, how much it was true that we had to stay in the moment and really 
and really think it to, to enjoy the, enjoy the day that you're given. Um, I'm not sure what I would have done without him. It's so true that some people don't think about much. The fact that when you, you know, when you go down, there are guys, obviously, as you said, that would kill for a couple of days in the big leagues and that, right. you know, you're still part of a 25 man crew and you can't be that guy. You can't be the cancer of the clubhouse saying, saying, Oh, woes me because there are guys that want to get there so badly, but it's also hard because you, you still want to be in the big leagues and you're in triple A, you got to put the face on because you got to be a right. good teammate. But that's mm-hmm. a part of the game that I think, you know, a lot of people don't see that you, when you, when you get sent down, it, it's a feeling of deflation and you're just like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, but I got to be a good team guy too. So you're kind of conflicted, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. It's, it's a conflicting situation and it, it really does test your, your mental and emotional fortitude, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's a part of the game that, I don't know if a whole lot of people outside of the game are too aware of that. It's there's so much disappointment and it's, and just in the game itself, it's so it's it's a game of failure. It's, it's essentially who can handle failure the best is what baseball really is. Um, And who can have the, have, who can have the perspective to say, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to have a bad attitude. I'm going to, I'm going to lick my wounds and I'm going to, you know, I leaned on my wife a lot, you know, like, Thank God I had her because she was a soft landing place for me when I had those bad moments and bad outings and bad disappointments. And then you, 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 you grieve that sadness because it's okay. Don't you're a human being still, you're not a robot. It still hurts. You know, Uh, you grieve and then you turn the page and you got to get back to work, you know? Um, And so having, having a good support network around me and then also, you know, having uh, just being blessed with an ability, I think to, to keep some perspective, you know, and to keep grinding, even though it, I, I, there's some bad news that just came or it was a bad outing or whatever. You can honestly, man, Johnny, you, you've seen it. You can, sometimes you can see guys that are really talented. You can literally see them melting down on the mound in the yeah. middle of a game. Like this guy that throws hard and has nasty stuff and the organization believes in them. And it's like, it's, this is not going to be a good outing. You can tell this yep. is not going to be a good outing. There's something is going on up here where they're they've they've melted down they're, they've they've they're feeling sorry for themselves or they feel white and bother or all this hard work and it's not going well or the umpire screwed me or yeah, whatever right. you know exactly. and you can see them melting down it's like and so there was it was like a, a head game i played in my own mind like I, i'm gonna outlast you that's how i kind of i didn't say this out loud but in throughout my minor league life i would think to myself i'm, I'm gonna make it because i'm gonna outlast you i'm gonna Love stick that. this out I'm yes. going to, I'm going to grind this out. Even if I have bad outing, I'm going to come back. And I think that I can outlast you mentally. Yeah. Um, I might not have as good a stuff as you, but it's a long season and a long career. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it because I'm going to stick with it. So you know, that's part of the game that I don't think a lot of people know. Exactly. Well articulated. Now I know that, you know, you got the 06 season and, you know, look, you're an up and down guy, but you, that 06 A's team was absolutely loaded pitching wise, yeah. hitting wise. I mean, he was, I mean, incredible and uh so you also have to realize you know you're you want to be a contributor at the big league level you want to fit kind of blend in up there but you also you know talk about that 06 team with the A's and going up and down and what that was like I think it was five times that year up and down five times right um it was it was I mean it was it was one of the funnest years of my life it was the most fun and it was also the most stressful Mm -hmm. and 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 uh, you know, you're, you're in the big leagues and it's my second year that I was there. Uh, Cause I was there in 05 for a couple of months and then back in 06 and I was there a, a bunch of time, about, about 
about four and a half or five total months out of the six month season that I spent time yeah. in the leagues. And so <clears throat> you're starting to get used to it. You're not as intimidated when you walk in the clubhouse, you're not overwhelmed. All the guys know you, you know, um, I put together a halfway decent season where I'm actually getting guys out and it's like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it was fun to be able to be in a spot where I was walking into the clubhouse and, and not like a wide eyed kid that was like, Oh, I'm just, happy to be here and I hope I don't screw this up but it was I was I, I wanted to do well and I thought that I had a good chance to do well you yeah, know confidence um, confidence yeah yeah totally and that team was good and we went to the playoffs and and I was there the whole time with the playoff run of winning and winning that that series against the twins yes um, and the dog pile and the clubhouse party afterwards and gosh it was so much fun you know the first playoff victory and geez, I, I, since like Jose Canseco, you know, and so right. the, the town just ex- erupted with glee, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the clubhouse was just so much fun. And um, I'll, I'll never forget that year. It was a it was an unbelievable, unbelievably fun year. It's pretty awesome. And you get to 07 and, and you there was, you know, a lanky left hander comes up. He gets traded from the Cubs, Cubs organization. Yeah. And you kind of take him in 07 with the Rivercats. You kind of take him under your wing a little bit. Jerry Blevins. I remember when he first yeah. came up, you were the guy he, he first met. And you guys, yeah. uh, you guys were thick as thieves. And I remember, um, obviously, Lou Merloni nicknamed him Baby Koufax. And rightly so. Yeah. He faced yeah. 49 hitters, struck out 34 of the 49ers he faced, just dominating, helped lead the Rivercats. In 07 to that uh, AAA championship, got called up before the actual playoffs began. But what do you remember yeah. about that that skinny left-hander Jerry Blevins when he first came to the Rivercats? I just remember him being a really good dude. Yes. You know, he was a fun guy and was yeah. down, down to earth and wasn't – you never got the impression that he was too cool for school or was like yeah. – you know, was, was either in, intimidated or intimidating or trying to be somebody he's not. He was just, it was, it was easy to be, it was easy to be a fan of his, you know, yeah. it was easy to, to root for him. Um, and just guys like that, I, I, I naturally gravitate towards, you know, it's, it's an easy conversation to have. And he, and he would, he would ask me, cause I was a veteran at the time at AAA. I think I had, it was like my fifth or sixth year at Sacramento, you know? And so yeah. he, he would, um, he would stick with me in regards to, uh, my routine, you know, um, as a lefty that would come in the seventh or eighth inning, what, what, what do you do during the game to get yourself ready and, and such? And he would just kind of quietly stick near me. And, and it was, um, it was, he, again, he's an easy guy to root for. And, and when it was, as he was like, it was like his, you know, it was like his 25th straight strikeout or something. It was like, you could tell like, all right, like, even if I'm the GM of this team, I'm not calling me up over him. He's obviously the guy that, is is the heir apparent for the who's coming up here he's not gonna he's not gonna be an up and down guy this guy's gonna be there for a really long time and it was uh and it was it was easy to root for him you know um he's a good guy one thing i remember with you guys though i mean yeah yeah, you guys talk baseball but you you told me like he was there a week and you said we don't even talk baseball we have so much he's he has so much depth love movies love uh he just had he's knowledgeable knowledgeable about so many different things and so he's such an interesting person you guys had so many great and you are too so you guys had so many great conversations yeah yeah it was we didn't really once like the eighth inning seventh eighth inning game came it was like all right we gotta lock it in and get ourselves ready we start yeah, talking yeah. about when the lefty's coming up but dude from like 6 p.m and an hour before the game until the seventh inning which was 9 30 or so it was dude we were all over the place right. conversation wise you know it was 
it was, you know, from, from the movies to music, to culture, to politics, to, yeah, he was one of those well-rounded guys that didn't, that didn't, um, didn't come with a, a hard edge to it. Like he yeah. knew everything or like, if you don't think about things the way that I do, then we're not going to be friends. He wasn't, right, he right. wasn't like that. He was, he was open-minded and fun and had, had strong opinions and stuff, but was, yeah, he was a good, there's, there, you're, you hope to find one of those guys per season, you know, where the, yes. you know, the one guy or so or two, and, and some of the, some of the best bullpens that I've been a part of had three or four guys where it was like, Oh dude, this is the bullpen so much fun. And like, yes. we can chat and we can, it's, we're going to goof off. And, and, and he was, he was one of those guys for me that year. For sure. Flo, cause you're, you're spending so much time with those guys down there, you know, and you're yeah. like, yeah, you're competing with each other, but a good, good bullpens are rooting for each other, right? Especially you get to the big leagues, but even in AAA, good yeah. bullpens are genuinely rooting for each other when you get in there and you guys have yeah. conversations, you lock in at certain points, but you, yeah, the great bullpens are the ones that get along, right? Totally. And you know, it's, there's a, there's a, a lot of time to kill and a lot of nervous energy down there. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's, it's, um, things are never really just fully relaxed. You're not, you're not just sitting down at a park. You're not, you're not just chilling. You're, you're, you want to get in the game and you want to do good. And so there's, there's, that's why there's so much gum that's chewed and, and so much spitting and so much right. sunflower seeds and you just need to do something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to get that nervous energy out. And so if you can get into some conversation, like, dude, you'll, you'll just, you'll just run your mouth all for two hours just because you kind of right. need to, you know? Uh, to get that in, that nervousness out, and if you get a couple guys around you that that can flow with you in that, it's like, oh, dude, I I, I love the bullpen. <laughs> you know, so it's so much fun. I've been in some where it's like, all right, we got it, whatever. It's all business, and let's just get to work. Yeah. But there's been there was a I was fortunate to have a bunch of good guys in the A's organization. Especially I was there for so long, so I knew everybody, and they they all knew me. And it was, you know, you you uh, you get some traction, you know, with the organization and with the coaches and with the players that. Like it's, you're, you don't feel like you're starting from scratch every year relationally, you know, yeah. um, and people, it's like, you do that. People don't really get to know you until, you know, like July, you know, um, but with Oakland, it was, gosh, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. And then you look, look, you, you retire from the game and how quickly after you got out of the game, did you get into uh, the ministry? And, and did, did you, is that something you knew when you were younger watching your dad? Was that something mm -hmm. you knew you wanted to do? When you were younger, was that something that just kind of came uh, kind of fruition when you were out of the game and you were thinking about how that was going to kind of develop? I had no aspirations of it when I got, you know, of course, when I was like in fifth grade, I was like, yeah, I want to be like my dad when I grew up. But, yeah. you know, the majority of my life, I was, especially when I got to the big leagues, it was like, dude, I want to stay here as long as I can. I want to yeah. stay in baseball somehow. It's just, it's just so much fun. Um, and then when my career arced, it was clear that, I don't, I don't know if coaching or front office stuff is in the cards for me, not because I, there was no opportunity, but it was more of, I don't know if I have that. I'm not wired that way. You know, right. it's, yeah. um, you gotta be a certain kind of guy, uh, to be able to handle the road all the time and grind out eight, nine, 10 years of, of, the, of minor league life to get to where you're hoping to be. And it's, right. I wasn't there, you know? Um, and so, when I retired, I remember my last, my last season, I was actually an independent ball. Like yeah, my career right. had arced to the point where I was like, I just, I want to finish this season out. I got released by the Reds in spring training on the last day before they broke with the yeah. big league club. Um, and uh, my dad called, I think there was maybe a month left in the season of independent ball. And I was, I knew it was my last season. It was over. I, I knew, and I was, 
I was coming home and it was, I'm looking for work and I'm trying to take my USC degree for a spin and see what yeah. I get, you know? Yeah. And my dad said, Hey, our, uh, our youth pastor just stepped down or he was going to step down in a couple of months. Um, what do you think of you and Portia helping out? What do you think about taking a year of, of being our youth leaders with the, you know, 10, 15, 20 kids that we had there, you know? Yeah. And I was like, really, you know, who, who suggested us? And he's like, actually the previous youth pastor, he, he was stepping out and his son was out of high school at that point. It was time for him to move on. And, and I had spoken at the youth group just for fun in the off season, a couple of times he asked me to, and I, I, I was told some stories and, and cracked some jokes and they, they, they seemed to have a good response. And my dad said, why don't you give us a year? What do you think? And I was like, really? Maybe like, it sounds like fun. And yeah. I told, I remember telling my, my wife, I said, Porsche, we can do anything for a year. We can do that. You know? And, and Porsche, she, I remember her saying, Ron, we haven't done anything for a year. You know, right. we've never been anywhere right. at one location ever for a year. What are you talking about? Yeah. She was right, but we were, we, I was in. And I kind of went into it thinking, um, this isn't, this isn't my field. This isn't my career. Um, I'm helping my dad out, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll clean some things up and I'll set the youth group up in a way so that when the real guy comes next, <laughs> right. the real lifer, the, then it'll be a good situation. And about, about, it wasn't two or three months into our first year with the youth group that we just fell in love with what we were doing. Wow, and it was, awesome. it was yeah. like, this is, this isn't a one-time thing. This is, this is it. Both of us, my wife and I, we just fell in love with the kids and fell in love with ministry. And we're like, dude, this is life. Like it this felt like we want to make our lives. Yeah. This is what we, yeah. This is what we want to yeah. Do. And it felt like all of the, all my baseball life, the previous 10 years in, in professional ball in college, it felt, all of it felt like prologue to sell it out for ministry. You know, it, it felt like all of it was setting us up and preparing us and giving us the, the things that we needed to, to thrive in ministry as well. So it really, in a funny way, even with all of the fun, baseball stories and, and the big league time and, and striking out Barry Bonds and being in the playoffs and all of that, it all felt like our, it felt like our lives really began when we, when we sold out for ministry. So it, it, it was, it wasn't until we were in it that we feel really realized we were in love with it. Yeah. Now you, cause you've always been a, a good public speaker. You've always, uh, I don't know, you connect with people really well. Uh, so I, 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 that, I think that's kind of a natural Thing for you and speaking yeah. from the heart that's really like that's you you know so this was this was probably as you said everything you did led to that right every yeah. every, every experience you had everybody you dealt with led to what you're doing now and it's kind of neat that you're able to kind of release that must be a good feeling knowing you're, you're doing your passion every single day right yeah and it's like I remember telling Portia that after like, you know, preaching a few times at the church and I was uh, starting to get to do, to do more and more around the church. I was like, I remember telling her, there's nothing that has given me the measure of satisfaction that baseball did except for preaching and in ministry. Like it's, yes. it's, it, and I remember thinking, I remember guy, other guys saying they had such a hard time transitioning out of the game. Most guys have a hard time yes. transitioning out of baseball Yeah, for a lot of reasons, but one of them being, dude, like I peaked, like, how do you ever get that measure of satisfaction and joy and, 
you know, striking out somebody and walking off the field and in front of 40,000 people chanting and screaming, like, you know, and winning a game and, and high-fiving and like that, dude, that's, that's, that's euphoric. And it's like a dream and you get it and then you leave it and there's no getting it back. And it's like, how do I, what do I do now? You know, everything I do, I can't capture that the way that I had it before, but this preaching and being involved with the church and being in ministry was like, dude, I think I found the thing that matches that level. And even sometimes even surpasses that measure of satisfaction. Like I'm, really cool. this is, this is what I'm on earth to do. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like when, yep. when you call a good game or a good moment, or you're replaying what you, the last game, you're like this, this is why I'm on this earth. This is why I'm here and I'm living it and I'm doing it. And it's hard and some of it sucks and there's some downside to it, but I love it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I would do this for free, you know? So, yeah. um, it, it really does match. It make it, it really does feel good to be in that That's place. Awesome, man. You know, cause they say that with players and you hear it all the time, what, what do you miss the most? It's not, yeah. yeah, it's the crowds. It's the, but it's the camaraderie, right? It's, right. it's being around the guys on a daily basis, being around, just being that clubhouse, mixing it up and, and yeah. you're able to get just talking with people. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have, do you have a lot of, uh, do you do a lot of counseling with people too when they come? Do you do pre-marriage counseling? Are you doing stuff? People come up, people are obviously coming up to you after and talking mm-hmm. to you about their lives and things. Talk about yep. that dynamic a little bit. It's a lot. That's I mean, pastoring is it's called shepherding. You're a shepherd. You're you're leading and guiding the flock that God has given you, you know? And so she, the, the shepherd. <laughs> the funny thing about shepherding is that the shepherd usually isn't doesn't spend a lot of his time in the middle of the flock with all of the clean fluffy sheep that are all happy to be there it's usually on the outskirts with the broken ones and the damaged ones and the sick ones and the hurt ones that are going through tough stuff you know so that's the that's the non-glamorous side <laughs> of the ministry but <clears throat> when you love your people you wouldn't have it any other way it's like it's it's like kind of like your kids when your kids are going through some tough stuff, you're, you don't shun them. You, 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 you want to get closer to them. You want to bring them even more. You want to spend right. more time with them and get them yes. back on their feet. And so it's the same way with, with my congregation, the, the, when someone is in need or, or is, is um, just needs some perspective or some, a, a shoulder to cry on, or, or a little bit of advice, it, it's like, heck yeah, dude, let's do this. You know, like it's, it's the, it's the relational component of it that, it really does. It's a lot of, it does bring a lot of joy. It's, it's heavy sometimes and you got to be smart and wise with your, your emotional resources and energy. And you got to have some stuff in your life to de- decompress and all that, you know, but it's, um, again, it's one of those things where it, I, I would, this is life for me. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, what's really cool flow is that as you're getting into how many years now for you doing this? uh 12 years now 12 20, years okay you're gonna get to a point yeah. you're gonna do this forever so you're gonna get to a point where this is your congregation is gonna be passed along generation to generation i don't know if yeah. you've given much thought to that but you're gonna you're gonna be talking to people's kids the way you talk to them gonna, <clears> yeah this is gonna be it's like it, it's uh it's kind of like baseball and that it, it is passed along generation to generation yeah. right and that's how it's going to be for you with this congregation dealing yeah. with people's kids and their kids right yeah, it's funny you say that. There's, there's, because we started off as youth pastors and we did that for several years until you know I, I, I started taking more of the oversight over the entire church and now you know we've been doing that as the senior leaders for seven years now. Um, but what's funny is is we start off with a bunch of kids and then now I'm 
those kids are getting married you know yeah, and we exactly. like dude yeah. you were an eighth you were an eighth grade in my youth group and oh, I, wow. I i yelled at you you're like you can't times. be getting married now come on yeah, now right. you're getting married and then i'm i'm like i'm like dedicating and praying over their babies on yeah. sunday mornings and and going to their three-year-old kid birthdays and it's like dude what the it just makes you feel a little old you know yeah. but also like like it's and then the use of what's really cool to see is the kids that you had in your youth group when they were in eighth grade. And now they're helping with the youth group as 25, 26 year olds, wow. you know, and there it's starting that life cycle as well. And it's like, you feel like a, like a, like a happy, not just a parent, but like a grandparent, almost a spiritual grandparent, you know, like you, your, your kids are having kids and they're having, it's really, it's, it's, it's really fun. You know, it's really cool to see, to see, you know, you put in a lot of years at the same place you can touch a lot of people's lives, you know, and no question. And um, just by just by accumulation and time spent in the same spot, just like you, I mean, you've been in the same location for a, a lot of years and a lot, a lot have affected a lot of people, man. Like you, you think of that town, you think of Johnny D, you think of the Rivercats. It's like you're like synonymous with the with the team, you know, and 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 so many people have been affected by by you and the things that you have done there and the relationships that you formed that it's like you, you, to, to you and I, it's just like, well, it's another game or it's another well, day. We do, it's, right? another, it's another sermon that I'm preparing yeah. for. What? It's, it, the, the, there's the day-to-day moment of it, but there's also sometimes you don't even notice it until you look back like a good five or 10 years back in history. Like, oh my gosh, there's been a lot of relationships and a lot of good things that have happened. Um. That, that have that have affected people positively and it's been a, a, a fun ride you know yeah we so. do need to sit back and enjoy that it's like I, I look at my daughter and i'm like you can't be driving you're three years old what, what's going on <laughs> right it's, it's nuts it is nuts to have to see your kids like what the heck like uh, it makes me uncomfortable you know they're like discussing politics and they're, yeah. they're talking about you know their future at college like wait dude you're a, a, a baby how could this right. be well, what's funny is our oldest, uh, Ethan, is tw- he's about to turn 22, and he is at the age right now. I met my wife. I met Portia right before my 22nd birthday. Wow. And so that's where he's at right now. And it's wow. like, dude, what the heck? Like, this is, doesn't make sense. I know. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Years, years pile up and a lot, of, a lot of relationships along the way, a lot of experiences. And it's like, if you don't pull back every now and then look back and enjoy it, it's, you can get lost in the minutia of the day-to-day stuff and get so stuck in the grind. Um, but man, you, me and and you, especially, man, you, you have affected a lot of people positively over well, the years. Thanks. You have too, man. They, so I, I, before we I let you go, I want to relay one story that I just remembered when we're talking about yeah. like time and stuff. I remember yeah. there was a time when you were about one or two weeks away from saying this is it you were in triple a and you were one or two weeks away you were saying you know what i'm going to go back into teaching and it's okay like you you actually had peace with it you were not like bitter you're just like look i'm just i'm not making any money i'm going to go into teaching and you were one and then as fate would have it you get called up to the big leagues can you take 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 the, the viewers here through that gosh what a what a wild run man it was I remember going into spring training that year in 2005 and I didn't actually get invited to major league spring training. I went to minor league spring training. And I I remember being so bummed out. Like when I got that minor league spring training invitation letter in the mail, like, Oh my gosh, I'm not in the plans. I'm not, 
Yeah. And it's when you have kids, when you have like mouths to feed and dependence, yeah. you know, like, what am I doing? Like, this yeah. is a bad move, you know? And you're, it's, it's a crazy place to be to think that whether my decision to stick this out was a good decision or a horrible decision was in someone else's hands. Like I, I, I someone else was going to call me up or not. And that's going to vindicate these last six, seven years. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a weird place to be, you know? Yeah. Cause you can easily look back if you stick you stick it out in the minor leagues eight, nine years and never make it. And you have mouths to feed and you could have been climbing the corporate ladder. It's like, dude, what were you thinking? Why don't you right. just go back to school or get a job? Yeah. But if you do make it, you're praised for sticking with it. You know, like, right. wow, you really stuck it out, you know? Right. And so it was like that tension of like, Oh, not just trying to make it, but also like trying to validate and vindicate my own life choices with kids yes. and a wife. And, and, um, I was, it was, I was in a place where it was like, this might be it. Like I, I, I have, and I'm okay with it. Like I, I got kids and I had a good run. I got to AAA, played a lot of years. It was fun. Um, but there was, there was, there was that one, it was a day in June where it felt like it was actually a game, a, a situation in the game where I should have gone in the game. It was the eighth inning. We had a one run lead, a couple of lefties coming up. That's, that's my, I hadn't thrown in a couple of days. This was my game. Yeah. I didn't get put in the game and it was like, huh, it's weird. Like, what's going on? Someone else pitched yeah. and we got out of it. And I remember after the game, John, I don't know if you were there, but you may have still been doing your thing in the booth. But after the game, I think we had, we had just swept this team. We had won like nine or 10 in a row. We were on fire. And yeah. Tony D called a team meeting after the game. After this game that I didn't pitch in that I thought I was going to pitch in, he called yeah. his team meeting. And everyone's like, dude, it's 11 o'clock. We won nine in a row. Like, Tony, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and he, he goes, he shuts the door and everyone, it's all just the team and the coaches. And he's like, all right, Hey, we're doing well. And I'm proud of you guys are doing good, but you know what? We're still not, we're still not, we're not getting it done. We're not concentrating enough early enough in the game. We're just, we're too, we're too distracted. Everyone's like, what? Yeah. He goes, so who's, who's the team captain? And earlier in the season, he had kind of half jokingly said, Flo, you're the team captain. The team captain's job was to make sure that people stop playing cards and dominoes, right. you know, 20 minutes before the game someone's yeah. got to be the killjoy and do it he's like well you're the guy make sure everyone stops playing and gets ready for the game he's like who's who's the who's the captain and i was like you talking about me tony he's like yeah people are still playing cards they're still playing dominoes I, we got to concentrate better we need a new captain flores you're out of here we're sending your act up to oakland and like the place like froze and then erupted yeah. like in this oh, cheer. It was wow. like, oh my gosh, like he 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 RP'd is what he did. He did he role played. Role played it, yeah. Yep. And the, it was like I was cry- I was like half crying and hugging guys, and I was like, no way. It, it was it was a it was euphoric, you know. Oh. And then call, calling my wife up on the phone and saying, Hey babe, do you have the checkbook? Because I gotta I gotta write a check. And she knew that that meant I'm either going up or going down or got released because yeah. it was in the middle of the homestand. She's like, yeah. What are you talking about? And, and uh She's like, I'm in the, I'm in the, um, I'm in the player's parking lot. I'm like, babe, I need the checkbook. I'm going up. And she, I ran outside and, you know, the berm to the parking lot in, yep. in Sacramento, she came, right running, yep. she came running, she came running down and I came running up in my uniform and, and we rolled on the grass and hugged oh. and kissed and cried. And it was like a, it was a, a windy, cold game that day. So all the players' wives went home and Portia and our two kids at the time were the only ones that stayed. And so it was an empty players' parking lot. It was just for us. It was just this moment we rolled around and 
cried and we made it, you did it, we made it. And it still, it still like chokes me up even thinking about it. our kids are looking through the window in the car, like what's going on, you know? Oh, and um, it was, it was euphoric. It was, yep. it was like, oh, and that, like that sense of relief, like, oh my gosh, I, I, it's, it was worth it. It was all, all that work. It was, yep. All of it was validated and it wasn't a waste. And the rest of my life, I can say that I, I accomplished this goal. And, and uh, so it was, we, we still talk about it every now and then. We, we I can't believe that that happened. We had that sweet moment. And Tony D just made it so special and so yeah. fun. And and sometimes, you know, it's just really quiet. He calls you in the clubhouse and hey, you're going up, by the way. And it's not that big. It's not that huge, uproarious moment. But he, like, created this whole sweet moment that I'll, I'll never forget. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible, man. What a great yeah. What a great story! I, yeah. I forgot. I had forgotten it went down that way. That is incredible! Wow, what a what yeah. a moment! And your team just sharing that with your teammates too before you went out of the clubhouse. Yeah, that's pretty special too. With them going, the players going crazy for you, right? So many, yeah. Like all the relationships that you form over time. Most of those guys I've been with in the organization for like you know four or five years at that point, and then some of the, the new guys that were good buddies and it, it was um they were they, everyone was just so like elated for me you know it was uh yeah it was um they had knew they knew the grind that i'd been in and 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 it was a, a unique opportunity that i got but who knows if i'm in another organization if if i get that similar opportunity oakland oakland gave guys shots it didn't matter what you looked like or how you threw or how hard you threw we were just in that in that organization that you're getting it done we'll give you a shot and so it was um so many factors as I, as I look back and I think because at the time when you're in the middle of it you're like yeah I deserve this I deserve a call up I got a two two and a half ERA of course I should go up you know right. but looking back it's like dude there's like a dozen factors that had to line up just right mm-hmm. you know maybe even more than that you know like maybe two dozen three dozen factors that have to line up all this the things have to line up just right right perfect storm to yep. get that moment and get that call up and and uh, I'm, I've I live a, I've lived a blessed, blessed baseball life. I'm no really fortunate. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's really good to see you, man. And I love keeping touch with you and, and you're, uh, you're a special guy. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for sharing all that. Uh, thanks for sharing all that, uh, that great stuff with us uh, on this, uh, this podcast, the nine lives podcast. Appreciate you, man. You got it, Johnny. It was a, it was a joy my old career to have you calling calling all, all, all of our games and, 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 and coming into the clubhouse and having that familiar voice o- over the, the loudspeaker uh, watching the game on TV. It, uh, it didn't feel like it was a ball game if you weren't calling it. So Thanks, it was a joy man. to have you too. Thanks, man. We had a lot of, with a lot of laughs, a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, belly rolls, a lot, a lot of laughs, man. That's really, your sense of humor is ridiculous. I, I, I love it. <laughs> well, Thanks a lot. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Rivercats Nine Lives podcast hosted by Johnny Dosko. Please like, subscribe, and share with all your baseball-loving friends. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook.